This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, April 6th, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellams. And I'm Timothy Dennis. Later today, we'll hear an excerpt from the latest podcast to be produced in conjunction with KUAF, Beloved Community. The production of the Northwest Arkansas Martin Luther King Jr. Council will present new episodes each month. The inaugural podcast with guest Dr. Charles Robinson, the Chancellor of the University of Arkansas, is out now, and we'll hear some of that show in our second half hour. We have an exciting challenge that's part of our complete show today as we continue our condensed spring fundraiser at KUAF. This spring, we've shortened our traditional on-air fundraiser to just three days, and it will conclude tomorrow. That means each of these three days needs to be busy and productive. Helping us today are great KUAF supporters Jackie Telfair and Todd Yeslow of Fayetteville. They're challenging listeners of Ozarks at Large today to combine to contribute $1,000. If we hit that goal during our Ozarks at Large broadcast today, Jackie and Todd match that with their own $1,000 contribution. You can help us reach that goal right now at supportkuaf.com. Public radio stations like KUAF and Public radio programs like Ozarks at Large exist only, and I mean only, with all of us working together to financially support the mission. Your contribution today, right now, not only helps us meet the challenge from Jackie and Todd, but keeps your public radio station and Ozarks at Large strong and independent. First up today, every so often, Fables park goers and trail hikers will come across a dog waste bag station or sign about maintaining the landscape. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports that using the stations or toting along personal bags can help avoid a smelly package and prevent waste from washing into waterways. Even after a morning of rain in Fayetteville, there are people walking their four-legged friends on the Razorback Greenway. What's his name? Ollie. Hi, Ollie. How old are you? Oh my gosh. Do y'all go for walks all the time? Yeah. And where it meets Gully Park. Reese, sit. Can you sit? Oh, you're such a good girl. Can you lay down? Oh, you're beautiful. Okay, you can go ahead and come up and see what she has. Water picking up pet packages and whatever else is left on the ground can flow into a storm drain system or creek. This water is not treated because storm drains don't usually connect to treatment facilities. Eventually, the runoff lands and nearby bodies of water, people, and wildlife use, according to the University of Arkansas Extension. Northwest Arkansas is known for outdoor recreation, and in recent years, it doubled down in expanding its trails for cycling, walking, running, flying down the lane on an electric scooter, and other activities. A few Fayetteville Trail projects are completed, and construction on the Old Farmington Trail and Mission Boulevard Trail is planned to begin this spring. Um, we recently went through a process to develop a new 10-year park and recreation system master plan, and one of the recommendations in that master plan is to develop more dog parks and um, to have one in at least each quadrant of our city. So we do know that people um, are interested in more places to enjoy with their dogs. This is Allison Jumper, and she is Fayetteville's Director of Parks, Natural Resources, and Cultural Affairs. Usage of Northwest Arkansas trails has climbed, and Jumper says the department witnessed a large increase in people taking advantage of the outdoor spaces during the COVID-19 pandemic, and it has not declined much. She says pet stations are used frequently. Um, but I know we do we send, um, spend several thousand dollars on those per year trying to um, 
help provide resources for folks to be able to pick up after their pet. About 52% of Arkansas households owned a dog in 2016, according to the American Veterinary Medical Association, and the typical dog produces 274 pounds of waste a year, according to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Unlike some wildlife like coyotes, dogs don't traditionally eat berries, small animals, or native plants from their ecosystems. Dogs eat nutrient-heavy foods humans feed them for a healthier diet. Marty Matlock, professor of ecological engineering at the University of Arkansas, says dog waste can add more nutrients to the environment, causing excessive levels of bacteria. The fact is all mammals have uh, fecal coliforms in our guts. They're a part of our natural biota. That's what allows us to digest food effectively, keeps us healthy. Uh, but somebody else's, especially another species of fecal coliforms, aren't particularly good for us. Even another person's E. coli, we are not adapted to, and that's why we get sick from E. coli sometimes. Bacterial contamination of water bodies can stimulate algae growth, impact human health, and when pet waste decays, it uses oxygen, which can harm aquatic animals. Stormwater also carries other non-point source pollutants into waterways, and Matlock says it is important to start thinking of the whole watershed as an integrated system. It's not just dog poo, it's everything else. It's the oil and grease from parking lots. It's, the, it's time to step back and look at our watersheds as the systems that provide the treatment of our water for drinking and for recreation and for, for ecosystem function and for fisheries for, and all of those things that we get from the water. Northwest Arkansas cities like Fayetteville and Bentonville have city ordinances where not disposing of pet waste is prohibited. Justine Lentz, Fayetteville's Animal Services Superintendent, says there are four animal control officers for the city, and they try to educate people to clean up after their pets. Um, and a lot of a lot of our citizens here have pets, and so when we have a large pet population, we want to make sure we're keeping everybody, humans and pets, pet owners and non-pet owners, healthy. So this ordinance is just, you know, something that helps us further that goal of, of public safety, um, which, you know, encompasses both human and animal health. In the past few years, the U of A Extension has released guides of best management practices to protect and improve water quality in general, and one focusing on the Skull Creek sub-watershed. The practices include picking up pet waste, not removing streamside vegetation, testing soil before fertilizing, and other guidelines. For Ozarks at Large and the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One, I'm Anna Pope. Ahead this hour, a conversation with the new director of the Venture Center. Roby Brock, with our partner Talk Business and Politics, has that as part of this week's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. It's ahead on today's Ozarks at Large. The University of Arkansas at Fort Smith offers students more than a diploma. UAFS offers students a resume. More information regarding a career-driven education is available at uafs.edu slash join the pride. Walton Arts Center presents the Voice Jam Acapella Festival, highlighting pop vocal bands from around the country. On Friday, April 14th, the funk soul group Duende performs a concert, and Saturday, April 15th, six vocal groups will take part in the Voice Jam competition, with one being crowned the champion. Tickets at waltonartscenter.org. 
This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Timothy Dennis. This is the spring fundraiser it at is. KUAF. We've done something different this yes, spring. We've shrunk it. Well, yes. Which is good. Yeah. We've listened to our listeners who say that long fundraisers are kind of a drag. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've adapted. So what we've done is we the traditional on-air part of our fundraiser, just three days. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Right. Now what that means is the time to act to support your public radio station right now. Right. As Matthew Moore and I said yesterday, the number of minutes to actually get your pledge in this time are very few. Right. And it's just as important that we hear from you at supportkuaf.com because public radio, Ozarks at Large, Morning Edition, is only here with financial support from users, listeners of public radio. Right. 75% of our operating budget comes from individual contributions from people just like you listening right now. All right. And since it's a condensed, shorter fundraiser, that means we have to raise more money per day. Mm -hmm. And we're used to this because the last couple of days of the longer fundraisers, that's when the contributions would come in at a steadier clip. To help us reach this goal in a shorter amount of time, Jackie Telfair and Todd Yeslow of Fayville have made a big challenge during the Ozarks at Large broadcast today. Excellent friends of the station. They have offered up $1,000 to match contributions during today's Ozarks at Large. Every dollar you give, up to $1,000, gets matched dollar for dollar by Jackie Telfair and Todd Yeslow of Fayetteville. That's right. So go to supportkuaf.com and contribute. The amount you contribute, which is left up to you, goes toward that challenge during our shows today. But... Remember, we only have um, three days of this fundraiser. We're trying Mm -hmm. to condense these on-air fundraisers. So to make this successful, if you're like me, (laughs) you hear something, you have a task to do, you think, I'm going to get to it, I'm Uh going to get to it. We just have shorter time to get to it now. Normally, our spring fundraisers are like a baseball game, right? Like you have nine innings. Yeah. This one we started at the seventh inning stretch. (laughs) I like that. I figured you would like that. Yeah, I like that. So, I mean, get it in. The innings we have to get your gift into KUAF are so short this time. We really need to hear from you. And please think about what you get from public radio and Ozarks at Large. You hear about things you might not have heard about before. We allow time to explore issues and conversations that are truncated everywhere else. The Mm -hmm. only thing we're truncating is the on-air fundraising model. Everything else we're leaving so you can learn more and, and hear more, and we can only have that kind of format when we're supported mostly by listeners. And you can make your gift right now at supportkuaf.com. And thank you. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. The Center for Business and Economic Research at the University of Arkansas has released its latest report examining Northwest Arkansas's commercial real estate market. Researchers for the Skyline Report find that the commercial vacancy in the region has declined to the lowest rate since at least 2005. For the second half of 2022, the vacancy rate declined by 0.2 percentage points from the first half of the year to 5.6%. That is the third consecutive report in which the commercial vacancy rate declined to a new low following 5.8% in the first half of 2022 and 8.3% in the second half of 2021. 
And you can find those details and more from the latest Skyline Report at nwabusinessjournal.com. We've got more news after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Earlier this year, Arthur Odunya took over as the new executive director of the Venture Center in Little Rock. That's the nonprofit group that focuses its work on education, collaboration, and acceleration within the state's startup ecosystem. It has been especially strong on the financial technology front, spearheading two annual fintech accelerator programs that have spun off several successful companies. Ordunia was a guest on a recent episode of Talk Business and Politics with Roby Brock. You've got a broad background ranging from early stage startups to Fortune 500 companies. What makes you the right fit for the Venture Center? I think because of that range, because I started off and I know, I know the kind of pain, apprehension and joy and passion that a, that a startup founder has and, and what he or she goes through when they've, they've got a concept in their head that they just need to get out. Uh, and I've been on the other side uh, sitting there saying, should I invest into these early stage startups? And then finally, uh, I've also sat there and said, should I use the products that they have and license them as a company? So, so having that kind of 360 view, I think, puts me in a good position to, to help, with, uh, help with entrepreneurs. You come into an organization that has a very strong foundation, about many years of stable leadership, lots of success stories that go in there. Kind of assess where you see the, uh, the Venture Center at this point in time and what you think are capabilities. Yeah. Ten years of tremendous success, I think, is, is what I've taken over. Um, and what I'm really proud and humbled to be a part of in terms of a team. I think we do a couple of things really well. Uh, we are able to work with entrepreneurs at the seed stage and help them get that idea out of her head into somebody's hands. But we also have done a really great job of working with very large corporates, enterprise scale, and helping to broker their internal innovation by helping to bring in external companies and startups to help meet their opportunities and problems. That's a real, real spectrum yeah. of, of, of services. We've done that really well with financial technology here, working with you know, companies like FIS. And now what we want to do is, is take that expertise and that team and look at other industries and segments that are important to Arkansas and to the central region and see if we can do it there too. I could give you a couple ideas of what some of those industries may be, but I would I'll let you, I would I'll love let you, to, I'd I'll love let to hear you tell me though. I mean, obviously we're healthcare strong, yes. we're uh, agriculture yes. strong in the state of Arkansas. We've got a pretty solid manufacturing base too. Absolutely, manufacturing, logistics, supply chain. Um, I think we start at home 
is the key thing. Uh, where there's already success and where there's already the, you know, large business, and we say, how can we help improve from a, from a corporate innovation perspective? And by doing that uh, in those areas, uh, it also allows us to bring in, I think, not just other companies, but allows us to reach out and create partnerships with neighboring states in this region, right? Um, Oklahoma, Iowa. My wife and I are originally from Iowa. Uh, and so agriculture, I think we know a little bit about that up there too. I know a lot about corn. I know that. I've driven through Iowa uh, several times. And there's a lot of corn in Iowa. So. A lot of corn, a lot of soybeans. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, Hugh McDonald, the yeah. Arkansas Secretary of Commerce, uh, was on the show a couple of weeks ago. He talked about one of the things he wants to do more of is invest in entrepreneur uh, startup organizations. Um, he wants to be there for the mom and pop businesses as well as the startup businesses, which is a little shift of focus, not completely, but we focus on industrial stuff mostly at the state level. What, what do you think of his comments in that vein, and how do you see the state being a stronger supporter of what the Venture Center and other yeah. groups like yours do? I think those comments are spot on. Uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting Secretary McDonald now, uh, and, uh, and we are fully committed as the Venture Center to helping him and his team as they start looking at early stage, at pre-seed, as well as obviously working with, with industrial stage. Um, I also think that he's right in that the state does and should play a significant role in helping to foster uh, and to incubate. Um, he's reached out to us, to other entrepreneurial support organizations around the state. I think that's also something that's wonderful about Arkansas. You've got folks in Northwest Arkansas, you've got folks in Conway, uh, you know, like, like the conductor. Uh, and you have, uh, you have innovation uh, centers in the universities as well. I think the other thing that he has reached out to us and talked about is along with helping with how a startup founder should, how he or she should actually build their business, he's also talked to us about how can we help attract you know, both local, regional, and national capital uh, for investment opportunities into the state. Uh, for, both for the uh, for the seed stage as well as for the later. Is that stage. a change in some sort of state policy? Is that a, some sort of commitment from existing business leadership? Um, how, how does how do you do that? The answer is yes to all of that. Okay. <laughs> I, I think there is no one single answer. Um, there's good there's good examples of things that have been done in past from you know from tax credits that the state has in place. Uh, I think there's opportunities, and that's part of what we and others in the uh, entrepreneurial support organization around the state um, want to do in terms of supporting and giving recommendations to Secretary McDonald and his team. Good stuff there with Arthur Odunya, the new executive director of the Venture Center. You can find that entire interview online at our sister website, talkbusiness.net. In other news this week, Arkansas's tax revenue in the first nine fiscal months of the year, that's through March, totaled $6.19 billion. That's up 5% compared with the same period in the previous fiscal year and a 4.9% increase over the forecast. Brand Finance, that's a brand valuation consultancy, has released its annual ranking of the 500 most valuable U.S. brands at the top of the list is online giant Amazon, even as its brand value declined 15% this year to $299.3 billion. Apple is number two on the list with a brand value of $297.5 billion. 
Rounding out the top five, Google, Microsoft, and Walmart, which has a calculated brand value of $113.78 billion. And Fayetteville businessman, entrepreneur, and philanthropist Bill Underwood has died. He was the founder and chairman of Dixon Street Business Underwood's Fine Jewelers, which opened in December 1957. Surrounded by his family at home in Fayetteville, Underwood died on Sunday after a brief battle with cancer. He was 92. For more news, visit us online at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellams. It is the Spring On Air fundraiser here at KUAF, a time when we're taking just a few days this time to come to you, our listeners, to help raise the funds we need to pay for programs like All Things Considered, Morning Edition, and even Ozarks at Large. That's right. We wouldn't be here without you. You can make a contribution at supportkuaf.com. If you make that contribution during Ozarks at Large, you help us meet a challenge from Jackie Telfair and Todd Yeslow. Great friends of Ozarks at Large and of KUAF. They've offered up $1,000 of their own money to meet any contributions during Ozarks at Large today, up to $1,000. They will match dollar for dollar. So your $100 pledge will become $200. Your $250 pledge becomes $500. Thanks to Jackie Telfair and Todd Yeslow of Fayetteville. And since it's just a three-day fundraiser this spring, you know, back years ago, we would do a 10-day on-air fundraiser at KUAF. We've got it down to three, which means we have to act now. We all work together. Mm -hmm. You can do that at supportkuaf.com. Your money is spent wisely so we can bring you Morning Edition, All Things Considered, Fresh Air, It's Been a Minute, and Ozarks at Large. And just today, for example, later, Daniel Carruth from the Karen Taha News Studio will take us to a celebration of Nauru's, the Persian New Year that took place in northwest Arkansas. In a bit, we're going to hear an excerpt from the inaugural um, Beloved Community podcast with Dr. Charles Robinson from the University of Arkansas, a conversation that's allowed to go on. Mm-hmm. We bring you radio that you can't hear anywhere else in this area, and we're committed to that, and we can only do that, have only been able to bring you Ozarks at Large for the past 33 years because of your support. And your support, it really does make a difference because, again, as I've said earlier this hour, 75% of our operating budget comes from you, the people who use this service. So because you're listening to Ozarks at Large, just know that this program is only here because of listeners just like you, ponying up money during these fundraisers, helping us pay the bills for our programming and our staff to bring you the programming you've come to rely on from KUAF. And Jackie Telfair and Todd Yeslow have put up $1,000 to encourage you, to encourage all of us to work together to raise $1,000 during the Ozarks at Large broadcast on this Thursday. They'll match that. We can do that. And if it's important to you, that a program like Ozarks at Large exists that can tell people about the Nauru's celebration or what's happening in the legislature or bring you a conversation with the Pritzker Architecture Prize Laureate from 2022 mm-hmm. like we did earlier this week, Francis Carre. If that's important to you, please remember it's important that we have your financial support in the amount you choose at supportkuaf.com. And thank you so much for your support.
Sona, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas, continues its main stage season Saturday, April 8th at Walton Arts Center with Battle of the Bands. Sona teams up with the Fayetteville Jazz Collective to create a hybrid orchestra jazz band for an evening of genre-defying music, featuring guest vocalist Janine Latrice Perez. Tickets and more at sonamusic.org. This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, April 6th, 2023. With me, Timothy Dennis. Hey, Kyle. Hello, Timothy. Uh, it's Thursday. Let's talk about music. I'm ready. Starting with tomorrow night, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville for their happy hour set is going to have the Suede Diablos in the house. Suede Diablos. Suede Diablos. Okay. Cover for that's $8. Gets underway at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. The Late Show tomorrow night at George's is going to feature country artist Wade Bowen. Tickets are $20 in advance, go up to $23 at the door. It starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow night, again, also at George's. Also in downtown Fayetteville tomorrow night, Kingfish is going to have a pop punk show featuring bands The Phase, which will do a pop punk cover set. Mm -hmm. And they will be followed by The Dry Line, which is a local original pop punk band. That gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night again at Kingfish in Fayetteville. Last Friday night, I was coming out of, I went to Sanctuary City at Theater Squared, which mm. was an amazing show. And then to get to the car in the um, Spring Street parking deck, you could hear the music mm. from the patio at Kingfish. It was just like, ah, I it's love that time of year. Yes, it's I love it. that time of year. Uh, moving on, Smoke and Barrel tomorrow night is going to have a show featuring the Cole Birmingham Band and Charlie J. Memphis. That'll be a good show. Both great acts. Cover is $5. That starts at 9.30 tomorrow night, again at the Smoke and Barrel in downtown Fayetteville. Also in downtown Fayetteville tomorrow night, Walton Arts Center is going to have the Brianna Thomas Sextet. Oh, that's right. It's in Star Theater. She's a soprano jazz singer with funky and R&B sensibilities. be far behind That's tomorrow night? That's tomorrow night. Okay. Tickets what time? are $33, gets underway at 7.30 okay. tomorrow. Again, that's in Star Theater at Walton Arts Center. In North Fayetteville, JJ's Live is going to have the Kiss Army in the house. It's exactly how you would So a Kiss tribute band? Yes. Okay. They claim to be one of the preeminent North American sure. Kiss tribute bands. I'm not going to refute that. Okay. Tickets are $15 in advance. They go up to $20 at the door. That starts at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, again, at JJ's Live in North Fayetteville. I guess if you are a preeminent Kiss cover band, I mean, you're doing makeup, yeah, costumes, I would assume shoes. nothing less. Okay. I would assume nothing less. Right. Maybe even a cow's tongue. Who knows? Okay. Moving on. Nomad's Trailside in Fayetteville tomorrow night is going to have a set of folk and singer-songwriters from a trio of regional bands, including Caden Crawford, Peter Rexford, and Ken & Company. There's only ghosts here in the winter, so I guess I'll fit right in and make the most of getting thinner. 
Make the best of Michigan. Covers $5. Starts at 7.30 tomorrow night. Again at Nomad's Trailside in Midtown Fayetteville. Getting out of Fayetteville tomorrow. Eureka Springs, the gravel bar, is going to have the duo McLeod 9 in the house. They're a Texas duo who has kind of an eclectic folk sound. They draw from Americana and Celtic roots. And they also, you know, feature musical flavors from across the spectrum. The whaling ship gazelle, Yankee whaler, save me from Fremantle's hell. Catalpa rescue from New Bedford, we said. That gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night again at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Okay, moving ahead to Saturday. George's in Fayetteville is going to welcome back Jed Harrelson. He's a Texarkana native. He's lived here in Northwest Arkansas for a little while. Now he lives in Nashville. You can have it. You can have it. You can have it. You can have it to yourself. Go ahead, do what you want to with it. He's joined on that bill by the local band Melvin Hall. Oh covers $10, gets underway at 8.30 Saturday again at George's in Fayetteville. Happening up at the momentary Saturday night, uh, they're going to welcome Italian composer and synth musician Caterina Barbieri. This sounds really interesting. Yeah, I've listened to a few of her tracks, and it's something else. Yeah. Tickets are $30. Starts at 8 o'clock Saturday night, again at the Momentary in Bentonville. Okay, jumping ahead to Sunday, George's in Fayetteville is going to have an indie folk show featuring the touring band Tinsy, which is in town from Chicago. Joined on that bill by local artists Jude Brothers and Little Rock-based indie rock band Francis Grove. Tickets are $12 in advance, go up to $15 at the door. Starts at 8 o'clock Sunday night again at George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. Okay, Monday night, Nomads Trailside in Fayetteville is going to have a harder show featuring the hardcore band Dreamist, the metalcore band Take Rest, and the pop punk band Eye to Eye. And when is this? It's Monday night. Okay. Tickets are $10. It gets underway at 8 o'clock. Again, that's Monday night at Nomad's Trailside in Fayetteville. Tuesday, JJ's Live in North Fayetteville is going to have Dawes in the house. Oh, really? Yeah. Big, big it's get. A yeah. Little bit of everything. It's the mountains, it's the fog. It's the news at 6 o'clock. It's the death of my first dog. It's the angels up above me. Tickets are $27.50 in advance. Go up to $32.50 at the door. Starts at 7.30 Tuesday night, again at JJ's Live in Fayetteville. Turn around on Wednesday night, JJ's Live is going to have the band Badfish, mm -hmm. which is one of the more popular sublime tribute bands in the U.S., Tickets are $20 in advance. They go up to $25 at the door. Starts at 7.30 Wednesday, again at JJ's Live 
in Fayetteville. Also happening in Fayetteville Wednesday night, the Vine Brothers are going to have a show at Maxine's. Maxine's, right. Which means get there early. Yeah, it's going to be packed. This yeah. is their first show there uh, in four years. Yeah, I was going to so say last pre-pandemic. Right. Little bits of gains we've gathered to the rains fall in our yard. That gets underway at 7.30 Wednesday night at Maxine's Tap Room in Fayetteville. And then one more show. Next Thursday night, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have Shakedown Strings in the house. So, Shakedown Strings, they're a Grateful Dead trio comprising of acoustic guitar, violin, and upright bass. Also on that bill is No Richmond and Friends. which Noah, local musician. Mm -hmm. The friends are him on banjo and guitar, Baird Blaine on mandolin, okay. Dylan Hoff on fiddle, and Clayton Delroy on guitar. That'll be fun. It's going to be a good show. Cover is $10. That starts at 7 o'clock next Thursday at George's in Fayetteville. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. I'm Maria Hinojosa, next time on Latino USA, a portrait of Gloria Estefan, the singer, actress, philanthropist, and so much more. We go deep into her influences, the most important moments of her life, her family relations, and Gloria Estefan's fears. That's next time on Latino USA. Latino USA every Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock on 91.3 FM KUAF. And you can always tune in for free by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF. This week, the inaugural episode of the podcast, The Beloved Community, was released. It's a co-production of the Northwest Arkansas Martin Luther King Jr. Council and KUAF. The name of the podcast is inspired by words of Dr. King, and it will feature, every month, area organizations and residents working to combat poverty, racism, and injustice. The podcast first guest is Dr. Charles Robinson, the Chancellor of the University of Arkansas. Here's part of the conversation between Dr. Robinson and host Lindsay Leverett. This is an exciting opportunity for us to really have a few minutes to just sit down and engage with you and dialogue with you about the beloved community and your thoughts around Dr. King's ideals on the beloved community. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. As we think about the work that Dr. King did in his lifetime and his connotation of the beloved community, what does that mean to you? Well, Dr. King, you know, was, you know, in many ways, he's a statesman, he was a prophet, he was a person who cared deeply about this country and the world. And, and so being part of this, being able to talk about his legacy uh, means a great deal because his legacy is still very much a work in progress. Absolutely. And when I hear you say that Dr. King's legacy is still a work in progress, I think about you being relatively new to officially being the chancellor for the University of Arkansas and really having the opportunity to implement your legacy and your legacy, much like Dr. King's being a work in progress. So tell us a little bit about as you continue to take the reins for the flagship institution, what your legacy really looks like and what your vision is for the university. Of Arkansas. Well, 
I want to move away from the notion of my legacy. I think what's important is for the university to live up to its mission. It has a mission, and that mission is to be a land-grant institution that serves the great state of Arkansas. And so my goal is to tie us more deeply, more profoundly, more intentionally to our mission, and hopefully for us to live out, our, to, to carry out our mission thoroughly in, which, in ways in which we help many, many, many more people achieve their goals, their higher education goals, and help communities solve problems as well. That's good. I love that. It's not really about your nope. your legacy, but nope. it's really about living out the legacy and the vision and seeing the university rise to the great institution that it is. I love that concept. How has your transition been? Transition's been good. I was uh, interim for 14 months, and so when when the board voted to make me the permanent chancellor in November of 2022, I mean, you know, I was excited about it, but at the same time, it just allowed me to do more of the work in with a forward thinking and a forward looking that I couldn't do before as the interim. But in terms of the day to day, it feels very familiar. That's exciting. Um, just to have the opportunity to serve in the interim position and then to have the opportunity to be the chancellor. That means a huge deal for the university. That means a lot for Northwest Arkansas. And that means a lot for young African-American men and women that look at you and see that they, too, can have an opportunity as a person of color to serve at the highest level in academia and higher education, that they can be chancellors of flagship institutions in places where historically there were not paths carved out for us. Oh, absolutely. I, it, it is true that if I can do this, if I can achieve this, then others can and others will. And, and I think it is important, you know, to get past that first, you know, just to get over that hump. And, and hopefully now we're in a new normal in which you know the the experiences of or as we as we as continue in time that this will be not an anomaly this will be part of just the the pattern of leadership yes. uh, moving forward and this is actually a really good segue because as I was preparing for the podcast, I had an opportunity to look at an article in um, Inside Higher Education. And in the article, they talked about the increase in the number of minority college president hires since the wake of the George Floyd killing and in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020. What are your thoughts on minority hires, especially as you think about institutions like the University of Arkansas? I think typically we would look at African-Americans serving in this capacity, in the capacity of president um, or chancellor in mainly historically black colleges and universities. But as we think about predominantly white institutions, flagship institutions, what's your thought about this increase in minority hires? Well, you know, I'm glad to see it. Uh, I hope that it's just a result of a progression of people thinking better about leadership. And leadership is, you know, you should be looking for qualities in people that, are, that suggest to you that they will do 
they will lead at a very high level, that they will be aligned in their strategies and in their policies and practices with the mission of the institution. So it's my hope that this is just the process of evolution and that this is not, again, an these are not anomalies, but you'll continue to see more and more people being hired on the basis of their skills and abilities. And that will, of course, lend itself to minorities being hired in some of these positions that have historically not had, you know, minorities in them. And much like the work that Dr. King did, when you think about the people and the makeup of the people that were a part of the movement, it was not just African-Americans no. on his leadership team. He was very strategic about being inclusive for all. The work that he did, the movement that he led, was not just about leading African-Americans, leading blacks. He was about equity and justice and civil rights for all people, sure. not just African-Americans. And so I think it's very timely to hear you say that, that yes, there's been an increase in, in minority hires, but as we think about it, from the lens of the work that Dr. King did, that it's really about having the right person um, for the position that's really going to be able to carry out the vision for the institution and for the organization. Yeah, the rhetoric of this country has been that you can achieve anything in the American dream if you work hard enough, if you, if you're, you know, have the right strategy and the effort, you can achieve anything. Well, hopefully we're getting closer to that because that's what we should be striving to be as a country, one in which people's skills and abilities allow them to settle in places that fit those skills and, and abilities and that no characteristic outside of that works against that opportunity. You can hear the entire first episode of The Beloved Community featuring guest Dr. Charles Robinson, Chancellor of the University of Arkansas, right now by going to KUAF.com, or you can subscribe to the monthly podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Today's excerpt featured host Lindsay Leverett. The Beloved Community is a collaboration between the Northwest Arkansas Martin Luther King Jr. Council and KUAF. This is a Thursday edition of Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Timothy Dennis. And this is the spring fundraiser at KUAF. Just three days. We began yesterday. We'll end with uh, right before tomorrow evening's Ozarks at Large. Mm -hmm. Just three days. Just three days, which means that time is very short for you to make your support for KUAF during this Spring On Air fundraiser. We've shortened our fundraiser to three days because we've listened to you, our mm -hmm. listeners, who've told us that, you know, week-long fundraisers, they're really, uh, they're really disruptive to maybe your listening habit. Uh, they're annoying, maybe. I mean, but that's why we've shortened this fundraiser, is to actually give you what you're seeking from your public radio station. And that's content. But that content, it, it's the way public radio works. Mm -hmm. That content at a nonprofit radio station means that we have to hear from you. Yeah. If you're in a position to uh, become a member for the first time or continue your membership, we'd love to hear from you at supportkuaf.com. All contributions during the Ozarks at Large broadcast on this Thursday go to meeting a challenge from great friends of KUAF. Jackie Telfair and Todd Yeslow of Fayetteville, they've offered up $1,000 
to match any contributions during Ozarks at Large. If you make a $1,000 contribution, it becomes $2,000 thanks to Jackie Telfair and Todd Yeslow of Fayetteville. If you make a $100 contribution, it becomes $200. At Ozarks at Large and at KUAF, we want to inform you about as many things as possible. And that's the goal, to inform you so you can make your own decisions, be it uh, uh, proposed legislation at the state capitol in Little Rock, be it something that is taking place in your community. Mm -hmm. We want you to be informed, and we can take time to inform you. Right. And it's not just about news. Thursdays are typically right. a music-heavy show here on Ozarks at Large. We go through music that's happening locally, regionally, throughout the next week. We have Sound Perimeter with Leah Uribe most Thursdays. That will return next Thursday. That will return next Thursday. But there's no other local radio program that dedicates this much time to exploring and finding new music in your area. And what I also love at Ozarks at Large, is our area is big. Yes. We're talking the Arkansas River Valley, eastern Oklahoma, parts of southern Missouri, and northwest Arkansas. Right. I think I counted up one time. It's 18 or 19 counties that we yeah. try to include. And I haven't even tried to count up the towns and cities because, oh. I mean, in those you know 18 or 19 counties, there's a lot. It's all about inclusion. Right. A lot of what we do is to try to include people geographically, uh, whether it's age, whether it's background. And I don't know about you, Timothy. You probably experienced this with um, the thing we do every Thursday when you talk mm -hmm. about live music. You can't get it all. No. I do suffer from a sort of professional FOMO. Right, right. A fear of missing out because we can't get everything. Yeah. But we're going to try. We're going to try. And the thing is, we do give you a lot of information on air, but we also post all of it online and then some. Like the rundowns we have every Thursday – we talk about a lot of it on air, but there's also an even longer list online with a playlist you can use to actually get ready for all of this music coming up. That's right. And KUAF gives you access to other things, the Community Spotlight with Pete Hartman every right. weekday morning, telling you what nonprofits are doing to try to make this area better. Those two can be found online. Mm -hmm. All of this is free. Yes. You don't have to pay for it. But the only reason we can do all of these services is because people do contribute. Right. It's it's a little bit different from the Field of Dreams model, build it and they will come. <laughs> We've built it. People have come. Now we need people to help us, you know, keep it going into right. the future. You contribute at supportkuaf.com. And again, we have that $1,000 Ozarks at Large challenge. Mm -hmm. And if you make a pledge right now, Jackie Telfair and Todd Yeslow of Fayetteville will match your contribution dollar for dollar up to $1,000. You can also become a sustaining member at supportkuaf.com. Mm -hmm. That's what Laura and I do. Uh, we just have earmarked from my paycheck once a month uh, an amount that goes directly to. So we never have to mm -hmm. think, have we given? It's just right there. Right. And that also provides uh, budgeting sustainability for KUAF. Right. And the pool of sustaining listeners to KUAF, it's growing. It's oh, grown every a lot time. over the years, which means – that's one of the reasons we're able to do a shorter fundraiser right. is because of the impact of sustainable giving to this station. Again, we've shortened this to three days this time. We are going to raise our goal of $80,000 in just these three days. But we do that one contribution at a time in the amount of your choosing at supportkuaf.com. And thank you. The Clinton School of Public Service is now accepting applications for its online degree program. 
Clinton School Online is built for public service professionals looking to advance their careers without relocating or disrupting their personal lives. More information can be found at clintonschool.uasys.edu or by calling the Office of Admissions at 501-683-5228. The holy month of Ramadan is underway for Muslims across the world. But earlier in March, many people from Central Asia and the Middle East celebrated the Persian New Year, or Nowruz. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth has this report from a Nowruz celebration in an unexpected place. It's a bright and windy Sunday afternoon as people make their way up to a pavilion in Lake Fort Smith State Park. The sunlight flickers off the water while kids kick a soccer ball and families lay out tinfoil pans stuffed with food on long picnic tables. It looks like any other spring day in Arkansas, but as the music grows louder, it's clear this is a new kind of celebration for the area. Today, nearly 100 Afghan people are gathered here to celebrate Nowruz, the Persian New Year, which marks the beginning of spring. Nowruz Mubarak Shah. Nowruz Mubarak Shah, yeah. Most of the people celebrating here today are refugees who fled Afghanistan in 2021 after U.S. forces withdrew from the country and the Taliban took over. About 140 Afghans were resettled in northwest Arkansas over the last two years. Today, they're together, smiling, laughing, playing games, and sharing a meal. Now this is kind of tradition for Afghanistan, and we celebrate it. Um, we have some games um, that we play together, and also we eat uh, some traditional foods. I have a food that's called uh, haftseen, and uh, it's a combination of different uh, fruits. Basira Al-Faisi is wearing a deep blue-purple traditional dress with sparkling white embroidery and a sheer headscarf. She says being able to celebrate Nauru's like this feels significant. Well, I feel myself very grateful that we have right now um, almost a good um, amount of community in Arkansas that we can celebrate the new year. Uh, it's almost two years that I'm here, and uh, I really missed this kind of parties or um, fun things together. And uh, yeah, um, I like being with my people um, and talk to each other and um, celebrate things like Nauru's. For Mustafa Ramin, Nauru's, especially here, is more than another holiday or festival. It's a connection to home, to community, to a culture that so many Afghans felt they had to leave behind. Yeah, it, it, it really feels good, you know, when you see your family's relatives, friends, the guys who is from your country, you know, you feel a little bit good, yeah. And he says sharing these traditions with his new neighbors is important to keeping them alive. Uh, for sure, cultures are different, uh, and there's many differences in cultures. Uh, that's good that uh, we, uh, uh, Northwest Arkansas people, come and see our culture, and they may like it. They may come join next year with us, and it's a kind of sharing our culture, the way we learn from American culture, and I found uh, it's a great culture, and I love American culture, and we want to share the way we learn from them. It's good that we have them the next year here, and they, they may like our culture as well. 
And one of those favorite traditions of Nauru's is a game where two challengers duke it out with a pair of pastel-colored hard-boiled eggs. Kids crowd around a man holding a box stuffed with hay and dyed eggs. The music on the PA system winds down as another man takes control of the microphone and shepherds a crowd that's now amassed under the pavilion. In the center, the fighters go head to head, or egg to egg, that is. All right. All right, Lujana, everybody else get back, please. Let the commoners see it. Ahmad Ghani holds a bright pink egg in one hand. The engineer for Tyson Foods in Fayetteville says this game is relatively simple. So in here, uh, one has to sit down. We say like sit down means you hold it down, the other is coming on the top. So it should be head to head or back to back. So once you go head to head, whoever like you can have to have like hold it in a specific way that you don't break your egg but the other egg is, is broken. So that's called like uh, you win, like it's like gambling. You win money on it, you win, you bet on it. So this is all kind of betting. But here, without money, so you just bet. Yeah. Uh, I like uh, egg fighting. So <laughs> it's literally translated into that. For that's Ozarks at Large in Mountainburg, I'm Daniel Carruth. Okay. So just bring it close so you can hear the sound when it cracks. <laughs> Daniel Carruth produces his stories for Ozarks at Large inside the Karen Taha News Studio. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Springdale, and Hazel Valley. KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Timothy produced today's show in the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors today included Anna Pope, Daniel Carruth, Paul Gatling, Roby Brock, and Lindsay Leverett. KUAF General Manager Lee Wood produced the Beloved Community Podcast. The Business Journal Report, Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report, is produced by Stephanie Brock. Our thanks again to Jackie Telfair and Todd Yeslow for their $1,000 challenge today. I'm Timothy Dennis. Yeah, I'm Kyle Kellums. You can help us meet that challenge during Ozarks at Large. Any contribution up to $1,000 at supportkuaf.com helps us meet that challenge. Thanks so much to Jackie and Todd and to everyone who makes this show a reality. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, please be well. We'll talk to you tomorrow.